It is so good to have members of our luncheon club here joining with us this evening. And I know that a number of our own members in Connor congregation attend, faithfully attend, and really enjoy being part of the luncheon club. I go in from time to time to speak and to have lunch myself. And I want tonight to thank Robin and the committee for the excellent work that they do and for the way in which they've got the club up and running so successfully again, following all of the challenges of the pandemic and how this work is needed. Because we have been able to see the impact that the pandemic had on the lives of people and all of the accompanying measures which caused such isolation across our society. And as a pastor, and I'm sure that Brian would agree with this, as a pastor, out amongst people, I see that there were two particular groups who were especially impacted by the pandemic, and that's our youngest people and our oldest people. Speak to teachers in school about the challenges that there have been in helping young people out the other side of this pandemic, and then we who are engaged in pastoral work get to see the, the challenges that it has brought to the oldest people in our community and in our society. But when we think about our senior citizens, it seems that our society sends out mixed messages about those who are the oldest in our society. On the one hand, we tend to respect and cherish and put on a pedestal our oldest people. For example, the Chelsea pensioners. I was in Edinburgh a couple of months ago, and I was getting the tram in from the airport into the city center, and I just watched on that packed tram what happened when older people got onto the tram, got into the carriage, how younger people instantly got up and gave them their seat. I started to panic, actually, in case anybody would do that for me. So I tried to look as inconspicuous as possible and turned my face away and looked out the window. But it is a measure of how old people are cherished in our society. So that's one side of it. But then the other side of that is if you are an older person in this society, it's hard not to feel that you're considered as being a bit of a burden. Because when you switch on the news, when you pick up a newspaper, you hear about the burden that our aging population is to our whole society in terms of taxation and government spending and everything else. How are we going to care for that generation? But what about older people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? What should we make of those who are our senior citizens within our congregations? Last week or a couple of weeks ago, we had a visit in Connor from a Portuguese pastor, Rogério Ramos, and his wife, Sonia. And over the course of that week, we were so encouraged by their presence with us. We learned 
lots from them as a church, and we were glad to have them sharing with us, especially as Rogerio opened up God's Word. But when I interviewed Rogerio and Sonia here a couple of Sunday nights ago, I was keen to find out from them, what have you learned? What is it that has encouraged you? What is it that has challenged you? What is it that you're going to bring back to your congregation in Portugal based on your experience of church life here in Northern Ireland? And I was really struck by Rogerio's answer because what he flagged up as being something that had really struck him and something that he was keen to share with his people back in his own congregation was the role of older people in the life of the church. It was something that he was not used to. It was something that amazed him that those who were more senior in years were still absolutely central in the life and the ministry and the witness of this congregation and surrounding congregations. And what he found to be the case here in Connor, he was able to see was the case right the way across the board. When he went to the church plant, Grace and Hope, up in North Belfast, when he went to Westkirk on the Shankill Road, and he saw the older members of those congregations standing out on the street, sharing the gospel with people, and serving and meeting their needs. Well, tonight, as we turn to God's Word, for a few moments, I want us to focus on a man called Caleb, who we meet in the Old Testament, who would be considered as being a hero of the faith. And as we delve into the Scriptures and hear about Caleb's life, he sets such a fine example for us to follow in our lives, whatever our age here tonight. But I would want to argue and suggest that in particular, those who are more senior in your years. Because the thing about Caleb is that he loved the Lord and he served him completely. So that Connie read for us the words of Caleb that we find in God's Word in Joshua chapter 14. As Caleb was looking back over his life, he was able to say in that passage, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. He's able to say, I lived for God and I followed Him with all of my heart. So, for a few moments, let me turn your thoughts to what the Scriptures tell us about this man, Caleb, because he is an example for us to follow in our lives and in the life of our churches today. Here's what we discover about Caleb in God's Word. First of all, we discover that Caleb had a relationship with the God who made him. And we first encounter this man, Caleb, in God's Word in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 13. It's a time when the children of Israel, after years meandering through the desert, are standing on the edge of the promised land. We know the story 
of these people, God's covenant people. They'd been held in slavery in Egypt for years and years. They'd cried out to be released. They, they sought the Lord's help, and the Lord was gracious. But because of their disobedience, they did not inherit the promised land, the land that God said He would give to them. But now, they stood right on the edge of that territory, of that land. And if you read through Numbers chapter 13, you get to hear of the spies that Moses commissioned to go into the land, to see what was going on, to see what the land was like, and most importantly, to see who was already there and how the children of Israel would get rid of them. And gripped by fear, sensing that it would be a bloody battle when they moved into that place, these spies came back with a false report. They gave an overly negative report. Oh, the people, they're, they're, they're like giants. You don't want to go anywhere near them. No, we best stay well clear. But by contrast, Caleb stood out as a man of vision. And that's because he was a man who loved and trusted the Lord. And tonight, we are called to have this same kind of wholehearted relationship with the Lord. Robin read for us the words of the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 12 when He quoted the Old Testament law. What is it that, that Jesus reminded the people of? These words, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Well, is that how it is with you? You know, I can actually answer that question for you. Not because I'm a mind reader or not because I can see into your life in a way that would scare you or anything like that, but because I know how it is with my life. And I know that all of us are the same. Who of us here tonight can say that we have lived a life where we have loved the Lord in this way, where we have loved Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. When we wake up in the morning, we don't even live one minute living in this way, in relationship with God. And tonight, as we hear Jesus quoting these words, we hopefully are so conscious that there was only ever one man, one person who lived his life in this way. There's only ever been one who has walked on this earth and who has related to God and loved the Lord with this wholehearted, complete, perfect love. And that's the Lord Jesus Himself, the one who lived the obedient life that you and I have failed to live. And so, therefore, the one who was worthy to be the sacrifice, who would take upon Himself the sin that is a reality in your life and my life, so that through His Son Jesus, 
God extends the hand of friendship, the hand of peace to sinful people like you and me. We think of what Jesus says of Himself in John's gospel in chapter 14, that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way in which we can come to and know God. And so, what is your relationship with God like? If you don't know Jesus, if you have not trusted in Jesus, if you have not been saved through the blood of Jesus, then you have no relationship with God. Let's be really clear about that. Caleb had a relationship with God. But then the next thing about Caleb that strikes us is that Caleb took his stand for the Lord. Look at what he says in in verse 7 as he looks back to the past. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. So that while the other spies panicked, and as they spread rumors that that spooked the people and frightened the children of Israel, Caleb, by contrast, saw the Lord's hand at work. He, by contrast, trusted God's promises. If this is the land that God has promised us, then He will give us this land, irrespective of who we encounter in that place. And I hope that you can see that Caleb was a man who was more interested in honoring the Lord than pleasing people. He was more concerned about being obedient to God rather than following men. And you can imagine the peer pressure that Caleb encountered at that time. Can you imagine the spies returning? That could be a nightmare. And we need to get our story straight. We need to tell Moses there's no way that we're ready to move into that place. But Caleb took his stand. He was more concerned about the truth. He was more concerned about the glory of God than pleasing those around him. And what a challenge for believers. Indeed, what a challenge for the church right here, right now. In our society, as we discover the truth about the big issues of the day, as we spend time in God's Word, as we discover the truth about marriage and about gender and about the sanctity of life. As churches, are we more concerned about what other people will think or are we concerned for God's glory and obeying Him and listening and being responsive to His Word? And how is it with you? 
Do you prefer to be shaped by the Word, or are you influenced by the people around you? I want to say how subtle that influence can be, and so how we need to be people who are immersed in God's Word. Because sometimes I I meet with people, and I talk with people, and I just see how things are beginning to change in the way in which they talk about some of these issues. And it concerns me. So, the simple question, are you listening more to the world or to the Word? And how you spend the rest of this evening and how you spend all of this coming week will determine that, won't it? If I spend far more time on YouTube and on Instagram and watching the TV than I spend in God's Word, then I am listening to the world more than the Word. It's not just a soundbite. If you love the Lord, then like Caleb, take your stand in a world and in a society that is hostile to Christ and the gospel. But then the next thing about Caleb, and that is that Caleb still had a zeal for the Lord late in life. And I love this passage of Scripture that Connie read for us here in Joshua chapter 14, because it presents us with a man who had not lost his zeal for or his confidence in the Lord one tiny bit. Listen to what he says again in verse 10 of Joshua 14. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. And let's not sanitize this. I want you to see this picture clearly in your mind. Here is an 85-year-old man, and he's standing there, and he's saying, bring it on. And that's because he recalled who God is. He recalled what God's promises were. He recalled that God was with him and was with his people as he always promised that he would be. And in the knowledge of that, not because he he thought that he was something, but because he knew that God is something. So he prepared to go into battle. And you can see that he was as wholehearted for God at the age of 85 as he had been 45 years earlier. What an example. That is an amazing thing to read and to reflect upon this evening. There is a stereotype that exists. It's not reality. It is a stereotype. And the stereotype is that in our churches, older people complain that older people find fault, that older people hold things back, that older people resist 
change, where change is maybe necessary for the sake of the gospel. And I want to say that in my experience of ministry in four different churches over 25 plus years, that is not the case at all. That is a false stereotype. What I've discovered in ministry and what is consistent with what we see here in God's Word is that there is not a direct link between age and enthusiasm. I meet teenagers and 20-year-olds who complain and who are resistant to change. And I meet 70- and 80-year-olds who complain and who are resistant to change, and lots of people in between. But I meet teenagers who are on fire for the Lord, and the Spirit is at work within them. And I meet people in their 80s and beyond. I can think of them in my mind right now, over four different churches and my home congregation, who are on fire or were on fire for the Lord. So let me ask you tonight, are you wholehearted for the Lord? Are you someone who is a backseat passenger, who is holding things back? Or are you still central to the work of the gospel in this place and the churches that you represent here tonight? Well, such an attitude begins with coming to the Lord in the first place. It begins by, by coming and making Him our Savior, making Christ our Savior. But then it continues through submitting every part of your life to God's will. The great thing about this area, and I can contrast it because of different places that I've ministered. In fact, Bran, I remember a conversation we had just before I arrived in Connor, and you told me this, and it's been the case. The wonderful thing, maybe it's a legacy of the revival, that people in this community realize their need to be saved. And it's wonderful to hear that. It's wonderful to hear people talk of Jesus as being their Savior. And that is absolutely vital. You're lost without Him. But we also must make Jesus the Lord of every single department, every single part of our lives. So Caleb had a zeal for the Lord right the way through into his later years. And so finally, Caleb, because of God's grace and his faith, got to see the promised land. Because he was obedient to the Lord, because he sought to have that right relationship with him, when others around him were going their own way, and when others were deprived of this opportunity, God blessed Caleb by allowing him to see the promised land. So that now, 45 years on, Caleb stood on the edge, ready to claim God's promise. And Caleb 
and the children of Israel came through many struggles along the way. And we know that we have struggles and we have difficulties in our lives. And in particular, as we come into those most senior of years, there can be particular challenges accompanying that. As someone that, that I was visiting recently said to me, they said, Philip, old age is nothing to look forward to. And I said, don't send me home depressed. But it wasn't a depressing visit. But for those who go into and live through their senior years in relationship with the God who made us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, there is that wonderful prospect, that amazing assurance of going home to be with our Father in heaven. There is the, the promised land, if you want to describe it in that way, that awaits those and only those who have put their trust in Christ. And so in this church, and I'm sure in Kells and in the churches that are represented here tonight, we sing of Jesus that Christ is our only hope in life and death. And tonight, apart from Christ, I can offer you no hope. Whatever your age, whatever your season in life, turn to Him while He is near. And so we think about and we finish with those words of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 14 as He comforts His disciples, as He assures them. And He says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. And what is it that He tells them? In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What a wonderful thing to hear in all of the pain, in all of the difficulty, and all of the disappointments of this world, that if we belong to Christ, He says to you, where I am, you may be also. Do you have that prospect tonight? Do you know the promise of an eternity spent in the Lord's presence? For this eternal security is found in Jesus alone. Is He your Savior? Is He your Lord? We want to make our response.